0: so much out there about how, um, you, you know, women who are needy and clingy, you, you know, th- th- those types of women are unattractive, but then at the same time, the, the women who are too demanding are also unattractive. And so it's confusing for us sometimes, mm. like, okay, like, how do I express what I want? And so um, it, it definitely, you, you know, causes us to, you, you know, express or experience some self-doubt about you know, who we are and what is okay to ask for and what's not okay to ask for.
1: Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm Leanna.
2: I am Jared.
1: And this is Hello and Goodbye. Yes.
2: Yes. We get better think, every time.
1: Do you think we need to say, and this is hello and goodbye? Or is that like redundant? Because.
2: I mean, we got to like kick something off. Like, what are you going to say after I say I am Jared? Like, what do you propose?
1: Um, hi. <laughs> How you doing? How's your week? <laughs> I still think we can work on it. If okay. you guys like, if our listeners have any suggestions of like, to make it less corny,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think they should send that in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think we should just go off to the. ooh, you just reminded me. I have a listener. I have a listener comment to share, like a, a, a listener to DM, a listener DM when we get there.
1: Okay. Do you, I mean, do you want to just start with that? Sure. Okay. Let's hear it.
2: Okay. So our friend, our, our well, your friend and my new friend, Allison. Who yes. Hi, turn, Allison. What's up, Allison, who turned me on to uh, Quit Like a Woman, which is awesome. She said, I just listened to this week's episode and for the record, if a guy I've been bantering with about wearing a tennis skirt to a tennis date showed up in the skirt, I would think it was hilarious and showed confidence and and authenticity.
1: Yay. So thank
2: you for that reassurance, Allison.
1: And if you don't know what he's talking about, you can go back and listen to our last episode, which is called Dating Stories You've Never Heard Before, where Jared and I uh, share dating stories that you've never heard before. <laughs> well, um, thank you for that feedback. You guys are always welcome to give us feedback. Feel free to DM us. You can send us an email info at hello and goodbye um, And yeah, cause we like always want to know what you guys think. And um, except for maybe the, don't tell us the negative things.
2: <laughs> Yeah. 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 I mean if you wanna like if you're burning to share with us like how annoying we are or something, just just keep it to yourself maybe.
1: Or or just DM us versus like writing a review about it.
2: Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. But also, yeah, but like hit us up because we want to, we want to read your stuff on the air and, and talk about it and yeah. just know what, what everyone thinks about the topics we talk about on the show.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, let's go through a few housekeeping things before we do that. I want to just kind of tease this episode. So we have an amazing guest on today. We did this interview with her a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's just such a fantastic interview about self-worth and how that leads into self-sufficiency. And um, it was just really, it was very vulnerable, very raw. And I just really appreciated what she had to bring to our listeners.
2: Yes, great episode.
1: Yes, so um, anyway, that is coming. So we're gonna try and condense our intro a little bit, Um, but a new announcement. So the rating and review contest is back. Oh. Yeah, you don't know about this. So we're going to do another round of contests here. This one is going to go until December 15th. So you don't have as much time. And there's only going to be one winner this time.
2: Are we going to wear Christmas costumes?
1: I, th- I think we should wear ugly sweaters.
2: Uh, okay, I don't have one, but I'm fine. Oh,
1: my mom has like 7,000 of them.
2: Yeah. Oh, yes. God, your mom's the
1: best. I know. <laughs> They're all from garage sales.
2: <laughs> it's the best.
1: <laughs> so guys, on the 15th, we will do an Instagram live I don't even know what day the 15th is.
2: Yeah. I mean, you just picked it out out of the air. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Tuesday. It is? Yeah.
1: Okay. We'll go live in the evening then. Okay. Yeah. We'll get together. We'll go live. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We'll wear our ugly Christmas sweaters and we'll announce our review winner. So right now, go over to Apple Podcasts. Search for "hello and goodbye." Scroll down. Give us a five-star rating and a review. We're looking for reviews that are out of the box, that are unique, maybe funny, um, sincere, whatever kind of gets your boat floating.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, did did ha- have you sent our previous contest winners their their winnings?
1: I have. So one of them is in. Um, she's out of the country for a while. I mm. forget where she said she was. Um, so when, she, I think she's in Egypt actually, but when she comes back, then she's going to give me your address. And I'm going to send it to her. And then the other winner has gotten her mug and she sent me a picture of it. It's really cute.
2: Nice. And are we out of hats by the way?
1: We are not. So we have five free hats left. <laughs> so but just a reminder. Way, people,
2: people who got free hats, like shouldn't they have to at least like do a selfie on Instagram and like Tag well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it,
1: well, I'm gonna say any merch that you get from us, please, like tag us in as many stories as you want, and we will repost them. Yes. So, and and if you want to buy a mug, like let's say you don't want to write a, well, you should write a review anyway. But if you want to buy a mug, <laughs> um, you can buy them through our website or you can just DM me, and they're eighteen dollars plus six dollars shipping. So, um, so yeah, you can also buy, buy mugs, sweatshirts are 45 and then the hats, the five that we have left are free if you pay for shipping. Um, and they're more of like a, an incentive to like, you know, like wear our merch, advertise us, but also we need to get rid of this first batch of hats. (laughs) 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 Listen, I will say the people that have gotten the hats, they look sharp. Like they look sharp. Yeah.
2: People like them.
1: Like basically everybody else looks great in these hats except for us.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. we did not look good in the hats we, at all. No,
1: no, we no. don't need this. Even my mom looks good in the hat.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You should put your mom on the Instagram.
1: I should. That's a great idea.
2: You need to put your mom. Yeah. in the Yeah. By the way, I need you to gram. send
1: me a picture of you in your tennis skirt because we never posted that, and I think people are going to be mad. And w-
2: did did we say we would do that?
1: Yes, we did.
2: Oh boy. Okay. I could do that.
1: Okay. So I want to, I want a selfie, a mirror selfie with your tennis skirt on.
2: Okay. You okay, got just it. Make
1: sure everything is like, make sure it's PG.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> um, well, and, and now I have to clean my, my mirror.
1: Yeah, that would be, a, that would be a good thing.
2: That's always a hilarious telltale sign. Have you seen that like on someone's profile pic or whatever, where it's like, yes. Like, yo, your mirror is fucking filthy.
1: Yes, that's, there's nothing more (laughs) annoying. Or what's even more annoying is when I go to take a selfie and the selfie is like hot, but then I realize the mirror is dirty. So then I have to go clean the mirror and I have to start all over and then it's not as hot.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. There's really nothing more worse in the world than that.
2: Yeah, that sounds awful. Because you're all like sexied up and you're ready to go and then, yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah, everything else like that's going on is not even comparable.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no bigger problems facing <laughs> the, the the country or the world at this point than than this.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um. Well let's talk quick about a partner before we go into kind of our updates for the week. So I want to bring back our OG. We're going to talk about VFresh today. Um, so VFresh is a company that empowers women to take back their confidence. And basically they offer products to help balance out vaginal pH to help against UTIs. And there's also, they have a gentle wash to help everything stay clean and fresh. So if you're interested, they have boric acid suppositories, which I swear by. And basically, they not only can they cure infections, BV and yeast, but they can also maintain. So like I use one to two a week. Um, you can use them after sex. You can use them after your period. And it basically just keeps the pH in balance. There are very few people who get side effects from them. I know my best friend Michelle was kind of nervous to try it, but um, it's very unlikely you'll get like... Because boric acid, it sounds kind of scary, but Mm -hmm. you typically wouldn't get like a burning sensation. Um, And then they have the V-TRACT, which helps. It's a supplement that you take every day. You can take it if you have a UTI or you can take it as preventative. Men can take this too if they ever get a UTI. Yeah. Or as preventative. And then the V-Gentle, which is a cleanse, which men can also use. Um, so all of these products are offered on the VFresh website. So www.vfresh.com, V is V-E-E. And to get 10% off your first order, all capitals, hello, 2020.
2: You know what V-Fresh should make? I just thought of this. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a bad idea. I don't know. What if they made like wipes that were like, for like before sex? So like just freshen your, you know, for like men and women, like freshen your whole thing up.
1: So there are companies that do that. um, Mm -hmm. And I've tried it before. The thing is, is you have to be like really careful, especially if you're prone to infection. And Mm. I would honestly just take a shower and let the water rinse everything down Mm -hmm. don't use soap because you're not supposed to use soap in that area because it can throw everything off so my suggestion is and this is what i do is i just shower before and i shower after after Mm -hmm. and i use i'll use like a little water and kind of like wash it off but you definitely have to be careful with any kind of scent or smell or anything um what you're saying is like, it does exist out there, but I know, especially with the fresh, like Natasha, um, Semigo, who's the, she's the founder. And we actually had her on the episode, episode 28. Mm -hmm. Um, she's very, like, she struggled with these issues for so many years. And so like what she brings to the table are things that have like worked for her. Yeah. And so, um, so who knows, maybe it would be, you know, something that they'd offer in the future.
2: No, I way. I think you make an excellent point. I just want to add one asterisk here, like a, like a very important footnote. Dudes, like you can wash your junk and use soap on it and you should.
1: <laughs> yes, please.
2: <laughs> because you are, you know, you're right. Obviously, I mean, obviously I'm not a woman, but right, like, you're, you know, like women aren't supposed to use soap in certain areas, right? Yes. But like guys, like, yeah, soap it up. <laughs>
1: Okay, but I will, so following that though, mm-hmm. um, guys can use scented soap and that can throw a woman off. So what I would suggest is to use an unscented soap, like um, Dove uh, Gentle or like, um, I think there's a, excuse me, there's an unscented Dove there. Uh, we use like an olive oil soap from mm-hmm. um From the store or you could even get this be gentle right and use that yeah that's true i mean yes guys you need to use soap but you do have to be careful like i use yeah that's a good point you know like i use free and clear laundry detergent like it's if you struggle with this this is like your whole life has to change (laughs) so anyway it by the way ladies if any of you guys have like chronic issues like this feel free to DM me or send me an email. I will literally tell you everything I've done that has worked and hasn't worked. And I know everybody's different, but it, oh man, do I know about vaginal health? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, on that subject, um, again, if you'd like to get 10% off your first order, go to www.vfresh.com and use capital, all capitals, hello, 2020. And um, yeah, get your product soon. Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes. <laughs> Take care of yourself and your body and support yes. the show at the same time.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, I have, because I'm in this bar method challenge yep. and tonight is a uh, bar class number 32. I have to get to 38 and I have until Thanksgiving. So I'm doing really well, but we have to like be really Quick, it was. We were supposed to do this intro on Sunday, and I had my piano recital, and I was like exhausted. And I had a horrible headache by the end of the day. Then Jared couldn't meet yesterday, and mm-hmm. then so the only time we had today was the time in between my last piano student and my bar class. Um, so yeah, this you guys were forced to make this short for you guys, really. Yes, okay, okay. So, with that said, Jared, why don't you go with your update first?
2: okay so the first uh, the first thing I've I've learned about myself this week is that I am turning into an old woman <laughs> like but like a very comfortable like contented old woman so like uh taking long walks with like with people has become like my favorite thing in the world like that's Aww. my that's my new pastime like with friends also I think like the first date that is a long walk together is like something that should continue to be a thing after COVID ends, even?
1: You want to know who takes really long walks with all her friends? Your mom. My 67-year-old mom.
2: I know. That, me too. <laughs> I'm in. I should start going with all the ladies in the neighborhood and your mom.
1: Oh, they would love that. Because I'm
2: all about some long walks. I
1: think you have to be like a certain age, though. I think you have to be over 50.
2: I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, Before you can be a, a
1: streetwalker, Jerry. That's
2: true. That's true. That's only a part of it, though, because I also like have just found myself... When I'm like, you know, done my done work, done my workout, like had dinner. And then I'm like, what am I going to do tonight? And I, I go, oh, I get like all excited. I'm like, I'm going to light a candle and read my book and like,
1: oh, my ma- and like
2: make a cup of tea. <laughs> it's like so wonderful.
1: What about a bath? Do you take baths? Like I don't that?
2: have a bathtub. That was on my thing. Like that was like,
1: <sighs> yeah, I have a bathtub really in my
2: old it. apartment and I really miss it. I fucking love me a, a good bath.
1: Yeah, baths are great. Yeah. Especially in the winter, like when you just – you come home and you're yes. kind of like frozen. And then you put on a bath and you light a candle and you like some soft music. And, and you get the bathroom
2: powder. like really hot and steamy. So you're just like so – I also like to bring a, a cup of tea into the bath. <laughs> so I'm going like hot water on the outside and hot water on the inside.
1: You also can't eat like – chocolate past a certain time of the day.
2: That's true about me. Yes.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah, very I mean, sensitive
2: to caffeine. I drink decaf coffee. Mm-hmm.
1: You, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. I, yeah.
2: I'm officially an, an old lady. So you're an good. old
1: woman. Yeah. So,
2: okay. Other thing is I wanted to ask your opinion on this. So okay. I had been talking to somebody that I met from an app and lovely person. We had had like two, we had had two like in-person dates, both of them long walks, by the way. Um, And in between those, we had had two like pretty like long and deep conversations, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm digging this person. Like, you know, we have really good conversations, whatever. And and after like our second like date, like long walk date, I was like, um, huh. I got kind of an interesting vibe. And so, you know, the next time we talked... I was like, hey, I'm just curious, like, I want to, like, just make sure we're on the same page about, like, um, you know, like, what we're doing here, like, what we're interested in, like, blah, blah, blah. And she, at one point, like, as we were talking, you know, she was like, what do you mean? And as we were talking, she was like, okay, so I guess this is kind of like the, like, DTR, which stands for, like, define the relationship. And I got, like, offended. (laughs) What? I know. And I was like, no, 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 this isn't a DTR. This is, like... And, and I said, this is a, what are you interested in? Yeah. And and it made me like sort of second guess myself because I'm like, I'm, I don't need you to like declare that you have feelings for me or that you're not talking to anyone else or whatever. And she was kind of like, you know, I, I think her answer was like, well, I don't know. You know, like I, it could be friendship or like maybe it, it might be something more or whatever. And I was kind of like, well, I'm you know, I was like, I'm I'm interested in you. And and so if 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 like you're not like interested in that, then like I would want you to like let me know. Um, and then and I kind of was like, and then I'm I'm not sure that I would wanna like hang out and spend a lot of time together, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair.
2: Okay. Cause I, and like, and like she was very sweet about it. Like I was like, you know, you don't have to answer now. Like think about it, you know? And like, you know, and I also said like, and it's not like, you know, by the way, like I could change my mind tomorrow. Like, you know, so this isn't like some kind of commitment or anything, but just kind of, are we on the same page about what we're doing here? Sure. Um, And then she ended up like writing back the next day and being like, you know, I, I, I think I am, you know, just not like, feeling a she she well she kind of did the like i'm not in a place to like have us you know to like start a relationship right now um which Which really
1: means she's just not interested enough
2: exactly yes that's exactly what that means right yeah and i was like okay great you know like i wish you lots of luck you know like blah 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 um and i was like bummed see this is the weird thing about me is like I'm now excited when like my feelings get hurt. Cause that's like a new experience for me in dating, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah. Okay. That was my, that was the, the, yeah,
1: no, I think, I think you did everything right because first of all, a big part of dating is trusting your gut, you know? And I think, I think in this culture, we tend to make a lot of excuses of like, oh, well, they're not texting me because they're really busy or, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, they're just tired today or this is why this is different or whatever. And oftentimes, like, if what you're feeling is that maybe they're not as interested, like, that is probably true. yeah And so you trusted your gut and you pulled a Leanna and called her and was like, <laughs> hey, listen, like, I'm feeling this way. Well, how are you feeling? yeah And like, I agree that it wasn't, Like her response of, oh, you want to do the DTR with, it was like, "Mm, um, no, I don't. But like when you're, when you're talking to someone, you're right. Like, like, you know how Dr. Morgan says you want to be in the same part of the pool, right? So you guys were clearly not in the same part of the pool and you can choose to stay there and see if she meets you or you can bow out. Right. Because Mm -hmm. like maybe you're trusting your gut that she's just not going to get there and you were right. You you brought it up, and it took her a little bit. She probably didn't want to hurt your feelings, so then she was like, yeah, I'm just not ready. But really, she just wasn't feeling it as much as you were, and it was the right decision.
2: Yeah, thank you. Well, and because, I mean, I, I almost look at it as I'm like, are we in the same pool was, like, right. the question I was asking. You know, because right. I look at a relationship as, like, something that the two people build together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, are we building a friendship together? Or are we are we, you know, potentially, like, both interested in building a romantic relationship together. Mm -hmm. And like, it's kind of the thing I feel like everyone's been in this situation where like two people are friends and one person has feelings for them. And so one person is treating the other person like a friend and that person is like courting the other person, you know, like one person is doing all of this, like going out of their way and, and being sweet and thoughtful and whatever. And the other person is just kind of like, like accepting that and and giving back friendship vibes. And it's like, well, let's just be on the same page about like what we're both doing here. Right. I don't know. Right. But anyway, no. thank yeah, you no. for the reassurance. I, I of
1: course. It. Yeah, friend. I am like totally on your side. Thank I love you. that. Um, well, I so I have a couple like was that all, friend? That's it? Okay. So um I have a couple really quick things. So one, remember how I said in like one of the first episodes that I was going to change my name to Leanna Jones. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have literally been working on it for weeks. now. (laughs) Sent all my stuff to the social security office. Then they sent it back. Then I sent it again. Then they sent it back. I spent like $60, like um, notarizing things. And they were like, no, we need a original document. So I had to mail my passport to them and my divorce decree. And then I wasn't getting it back. And um, and so I called them and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And they're like, Oh yeah, we have it here, but you can't change your name to Leanna Joan because your last name was never Joan. Ugh. So I could either go back to my maiden name, which I don't know if I've, have I ever said that on the show? Walthall? I,
2: I don't think so. You haven't. Okay.
1: So my maiden name was Leanna Walthall. I'm not going go to go back to that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, why would I go to all of the effort to change my name everywhere to go back to Walthall?
2: Yeah, it's a good right? question. Joan so is like, Joan is pretty cool sounding,
1: right? Leanna Joan. So, to, in order to actually change my name to like drop the Hamilton, I have to go to court. What? Isn't that insane?
2: Well, can't you can't you change it to Walthall and then change it again to Joan without going to court?
1: I'm just, I'm just, I, no. No, you had, and if I wanted to, if change- I just
2: wanted to change my name to like Jared Joan,
1: no, I wouldn't would need to, you go have to, to go to court.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. So that was really disappointing. Um, so, I mean, I guess I'm just like, I was really disappointed, but I'm also like, okay maybe just now wasn't the time for that. And now mm-hmm. I know. And because what happened is my driver's license expired. I think I said this, so I was like illegally driving. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, I was trying to wait till my name was changed, but then that didn't happen. So I finally got my passport back in the mail and I went to the DMV on uh, yesterday. And so I'm a officially a legal driver again, which is great. Um, and then the reason I needed my passport is because Zach and I decided to take the plunge and we are flying to Charleston, South Carolina for Thanksgiving.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: So, um, so yeah, like that would be another update. You know, I'm a little nervous about it because of COVID. But mm-hmm. um, we've really talked it through. And basically, so I'm not nervous about the flying part. I think the airplanes are pretty safe now. Um, and both he and I are really good about wearing masks and hand sanitizer and all that. So that's something I worry about but it's more of, you know, I, we don't know who we're going to be around and, Mm -hmm. you know, we can do all that we can, but there is a chance, right? So I talked with my parents and they're like, just go have a good time. And when I come back, we're going to quarantine at his place. So I'll go Mm -hmm. virtual with all of my teaching and we're going to go get like two to three COVID tests, make sure we test negative before we come back. And I feel like I feel like that's kind of how it should be done, you know, like, and and that's why it spreads so quickly is because people aren't doing that, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's not necessarily that we're, we're not necessarily worried if we get it, although I'd prefer not to. um, (laughs) But I think it's more so I would feel horrible if I gave it to someone else. And so, yeah, so we're going to be there over Thanksgiving and then um, we'll come back on the Sunday after. So okay. kind of crazy. I'm like, I'm kind of nervous about it, but I also feel like, I don't know, like, when is it time to kind of, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like such a hard thing. It's so
2: hard. It's so hard. And like, you know, yeah, people need to like live their lives. I mean, I, I flew in July, which was another time where rates were going crazy. And yeah. I felt like I'm like, oh shoot, am I being irresponsible? Like blah, blah. blah. And you know, I talked to family that works in medicine and stuff like that and um, ended up going. And I think, you know, it's hard because you want to live your life. You hope everyone's going to be responsible and you all are, the two of you are doing this in the most responsible way. And so, uh, you know, I think, I think do it, try to be safe and like, but also try to be in the moment and, and enjoy your time when you're, yeah. high, you know?
1: Yeah. I appreciate that. And I, um, <laughs> it's funny, I was talking to someone and I was telling him, you know, I was nervous and I'm like, what if people judge me? And, um, he was like, well, just tell them. Cause like, I think you can be in a room of like 30 people or whatever. It's a funeral. And he's like, just tell them you're having a funeral for the Turkey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's funny.
1: That's no, funny. but, um, you know, I want you guys to know, like, cause I am such an advocate for mask wearing and of social course. distancing, and that is still so, so, so important. I also understand though, the importance of like, when is, when is it that we, you know, have to, to get back to our lives. And I think that it's slowly been a process and I think it's going to halt again here soon. Like, I think um, there's probably going to be some lockdowns coming up because yeah. the rates are increasing so fast. And the good news is, is South Carolina is like not even on the map for like increasing cases. Um, so it's almost like it's we're like escaping it. Yeah, the ring there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and so, yeah, we've just decided we're going to we're going to go for it and then quarantine when we come back and do everything as safe as we can. Yes. Yeah.
2: Good. Go have yeah. fun. It's going to be great.
1: Yeah. I'm excited. Okay. okay. I got to go take bar. We have an amazing guest.
2: Yes. Is this the, uh, la- is this the episode like before Thanksgiving? Is this the last episode everyone's going to hear?
1: Yes. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. We love you guys. Enjoy the episode. We'll see you at the end. Okay, so this next guest is a clinical psychologist in Southern California. She has over 10 years experience as a clinician in the mental health field and specializes in helping people achieve healthy relationships with the self and others by empowering them with a deep understanding of how past life experiences contribute to current struggles. In addition to providing psychotherapy and private practice, Dr. Chung maintains a professional social media account on Instagram under the handle lovealwaysdrbetsey, where she shares insights about tips um, about self esteem and relationships. Um, Dr. Chung also contributes her time and expertise to various media outlets, including Tyla on TikTok and ShareCare Inc., and has been featured in Magazines like Cosmopolitan and Health Magazine, please welcome Dr. Betsy.
2: Yay. So
1: what a nice great bio. You <laughs> Thank you. And, and what I love about that bio is it teases what we're going to talk about in the episode, which is um, kind of how you empower us to find better self-esteem and self-sufficiency and how a lot of that relates to past Relationships and how we grew up and our relationships with our parents. So, um, our first question for you is going to be like, how did you end up in this field? Like, what got you to specifically focusing on on this specific topic?
0: Mm-hmm. So, it's it's kind of interesting because it's kind of like a short but also long story. I guess I'll give you the condensed version. Um, I stumbled into psychology really by chance. Um, growing up, I had no idea what I wanted to do for a living. Um, I, I, you know, in, in talking about self-esteem, I guess that I didn't have extremely high self-confidence because I felt like, you know, um, my sister, like my oldest sister, she was really great at math. She eventually became an architect. My next one was very artistically creative. She eventually became a fashion designer. So when I went to college, I was like, wait, what am I good at? And I didn't really feel like I was good, good at anything, um, but because I went into college undeclared, I needed to meet with a peer counselor, and she was like, "Well, what what's something that that you you think you're good at?" And I was like, "I don't know. The only thing that makes me stand out is I'm athletic, you know, compared to my sisters." And so um, I was like, "I guess I can be a fitness trainer." She's like, "Well, I don't really have anything like fitness training, you know, that you can major in, but what about <laughs> psychology?" So she kind of just threw <laughs> psychology out there, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, I guess." And so I took my very first psychology class, and I loved it. And then I kept taking more psychology classes and loved that. And so basically, um, I went from taking my first psychology class to um, you know eventually working as an assistant at a psych office, and then decided to attend graduate school. Because another friend of mine um, said that he was going to graduate school to become a psychologist. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that too. Oh so God. yeah, and speaking of, you know, like, like self-esteem and what I'm good at and stuff. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's not something that, that I felt like I was kind of raised to do or that I kind of knew this about myself. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, where I can talk a little bit about how I got into this topic of self worth is uh, when I started graduate school, I honestly thought that I was going to work with like the Asian American community and teenagers. Um, I grew up in an environment where um, my family, my, my parents were very, you know, traditional and conservative. And so that meant that, um, you know, I needed to be very respectful toward. Adults and authority, Um, and so all of that, you you know, um, it really impacted my self-esteem because I think growing up, I really felt like, um, you know, that that I didn't really have much of a say as as a child. Every time I dealt with anybody that I thought was an an adult, I would kind of, you know, I I would kind of get a little bit scared, and I would kind of, you know, buckle a little bit if, if if I needed to communicate with them for any reason. But it was also a little confusing because on the one hand, you know, my mom raised me to be very, um, you know, respectful of adults. But then my mom also was a very independent person. And so she always raised us to learn how to stand up for ourselves as well. And so it was kind of a confusing thing Mm. for me growing up. So on the one hand, I was expected to respect adults and no matter what. Um and I needed to be obedient. But then on the other hand, I was expected to stand up for myself and express my feelings and express my needs. And when I wasn't able to do that, I felt terrible about myself. And mm. I felt like, oh, you know, you're so weak. And what's wrong with you? And I never realized any of this stuff and how it had impacted me until I went to graduate school. And I was interning at a psych hospital. And um, I had this, exchange with a, um, I, ha- I had this exchange with a, a, um, a staff member there. He was, uh, you know, it's funny, I-, I was about to call him an, ad- an adult. The truth <laughs> of the matter is I was already an adult, but he was older than me. And um, and And what had happened was he ended up, you know, kind of scolding me in front of a client mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to do. And I just kind of froze. So, when I talked to my supervisor about it later on, she said, You know, you sometimes come off a little bit sheepish. And when she said that, I was like, Oh my God, what is that word? Like, that is so humiliating. She called me sheepish. Like, that's Ugh. the last thing that I wanted to hear. Wow. Um, but then one of the things that she said after that, she said, um, You know, have you ever heard of assertiveness? And I said, No, I don't know what assertiveness is. She's like, Look it up. So Mm. I went home that day, I looked up assertiveness and my jaw just dropped. It's like, oh my God, there is actually a word for what I've been experiencing. Mm. Like, you know, like there's, there's actually a word that describes how I've been feeling around adults and what I need to do around adults that I never really learned how to do when I was growing up. So I guess, you know, to connect that to what I was saying earlier about how I got into, you know, self-esteem and stuff is that I initially thought that I wanted to work with the Asian population and teenagers because when I was, you know, because I thought like, well, that was my experience. You know, I grew up in an Asian background and um, I really kind of felt like I could, um, I, I I could empathize with teenagers and all of the generational stuff in the community. But then when I started working with that community, I realized I was like, oh no, I cannot work with teenagers because when I worked with teenagers, that meant I needed to work with their parents Mm. and working with their parents meant like, well, there goes the authority, right? The Asian authority. So slowly I started to realize like, okay, I don't think that that's the right population for me, but Mm. this assertiveness stuff and this boundary stuff, it just really, really made sense. Mm. And the more that I learned about it, the more that everything kind of went back to the self you know, like that I actually did have power to stand up for myself. I did have power to, you know, express my needs and that my needs were just as important as anybody else's regardless of whether you're an adult or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I also learned how to kind of navigate and negotiate, you know, my needs and other people's needs and learn how learn acceptance. And so all of this stuff related to the self kind of emerged when I was in that internship and um, that experience, that like, oh my God, I just felt completely powerless. And then when I learned about this stuff, I was like, oh no. You know, and I have a feeling that there's so many people in this world that struggle with the same thing is that they don't realize that they have the power to influence their relationships. You know, they have, you know, of course, we, we can never guarantee that we'll get what we want, but there's ways of learning to work with people and, you know, um, and exploring, you know, ourselves and, and, and our own struggles and insecurities that's preventing us from getting what we want. Mm. So I guess, yeah, long and short story, you know, of how I got into this, this field is, is basically, it was was a very personal Mm. experience Mm. of mine.
1: What a beautiful like story. Like I, I was like, just so focused on what you were saying. Um, And I love that you went to college and you're like, "Mm, I think I want to become maybe a fitness instructor. And your cousin was like, yeah, we don't do that. But how about you want to take some psychology
2: class? That's like, (laughs) yeah. That
1: killed me. That's (laughs) like, uh,
2: this is what I tell all the undecided students I'm like just go major in psychology
1: I know that's why I ended up getting a major in communications (laughs) yeah exactly it was
2: either that or criminal justice
0: (laughs) you know it's funny that that was my other that was um because I was in a major that actually was partially psychology but then partially criminal
1: justice oh my gosh that's so funny well see i almost majored in psychology because all of this is very fascinating to me but my psychology professor there was only it was a very small college and he drove me nuts and i was like i can't do this i can't be with it for four years
2: (laughs) i thought that uh you were going to say that the psychology professor was like don't major in psychology.
1: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, he had like this gross like thing that hung from his chair. I just, I couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. Wait, could so- I
2: ask a follow-up question? Uh, go ahead. You want to ask it, go. You I go. want to go first. Okay. Okay.
1: So there's so many places that we could go from here. And I know we sent you some questions ahead of time. Um, and Jared, maybe you can help me stay on track with that. But I love the word assertive. And it was something that we talked about in my coaching program with Dr. Morgan, who you know. Um, and it's something that I think women don't learn as much as men. Because okay. we're in a society where we've grown up and we've you know, seen through the patriarchy that we aren't necessarily allowed to be assertive and if we are assertive then we're known as bossy or bitchy or whatever it is so can you maybe explain assertiveness to our audience and like what that would look like for uh, for anyone men or women um and in maybe specifically in relationships
0: yeah assertiveness is basically just our ability to know what we want and communicate it in a direct way. You know, and I I agree with you. I think that women who are assertive tend to be characterized as, um, you know, unfeminine and intimidating um, and, and all of these, you know, negative words that, cause us to think that it's going to make us unattractive to men. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to dating, I think that that's why women tend to struggle so much is that they have this picture of, you know, what a woman is supposed to look like and what Mm -hmm. it takes in order to attract a certain type of man that they want. Um, And there's, there's so much out there about how, um, you, you know women who are needy and clingy you, you know th- th- those types of women are unattractive but then at the same time the the women who are too demanding are also unattractive and so it's confusing for us sometimes mm. like okay like how do I express what I want and so um, it, it definitely you, you know causes us to you, you know express or experience some self-doubt about, you know, who we are and what is okay to ask for and what's not okay to ask for. So I think that assertiveness really is, you know, it's, it's a way of saying like, well, my needs actually do matter. Um, society is wrong that, you know, we shouldn't ha- be able to express our needs. And society, um, you know, is wrong about the fact that um, I want too much just because I express a need. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the problem with that is that if we don't express our needs, then we don't get them we don't mm. get the met. If mm. we don't get them met, we're going to get the met in other ways. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's not like just because we don't express a particular need that somehow this need is going to go away. So for instance, if we need, you know, attention, and we don't express that need for attention, maybe later on, we're gonna become upset, and we're going to get angry, and we're going to complain to our partners, you know, you never pay enough attention to me versus, hey, I'd really like to talk to you about this. You know, can you, can, can you give me a couple minutes? You know, so so I think that um, assertiveness is very important in the healthy relationship, because it's just, it basically just puts everything on the table. It's like, this is what I need from you, mm-hmm. um, without having to kind of beat around the bush and try to get these needs met in another way.
1: Mm-hmm. And assertiveness is a huge part of self-esteem and self-worth because when you feel like you're worthy of getting what you need then you can be assertive and ask for it absolutely yeah jared go ahead now sorry i
2: No, you're great no no actually that this leads perfectly into the question i was wanting to ask anyway because i I kind of want to go back to that moment where you're in your internship and the supervisor sort of um kind of chastises you in front of someone right And, and what i related to in that is you know um I mean, obviously I'm a man, so I have like a whole other set of privileges, but also I I always grew up and was someone who like sort of shrank, especially when other people would get loud, you know, or get angry around me. Like I would have that freeze reaction, you know? And uh, so I sort of like was kind of projecting like that onto you a little bit. And so for me, like I remember being almost 30 and really doing the work of dealing with that. And And before I did that work, I felt like the pattern for me was having that freeze reaction and then like later on being like resentful and like mad at myself or like, wait, why didn't I say something? Like I was right here. Like I had every right to, you know, and like, so I'm curious, like, what was that, what was that like for you before you kind of underwent this change and like how, what was the work like for you to actually like make that change in your life?
0: Yeah, that's, relatable what you just said because that's exactly what I would do every time somebody would somehow violate a boundary of mine um, or every time I would kind of shrink I'll later on beat up myself for it and I'll think like oh you know you should have said this you should have done that and that's kind of where I was talking about with my mom where on the one hand I needed to be respectful um, and obedient of authority. But then on the other hand, she did teach me to stand up for myself. You know, it's just, I didn't know when I should and shouldn't stand up for myself. Mm. And so I think that a really big part of my work um, in learning to become more assertive is that um, I needed to recognize that I was an adult, you know, that I was no longer this little kid that needed to, um, you, you know, just, just allow adults to to do whatever they want to do, and um, you know, and and behave however they want to behave, and that I just needed to keep my mouth shut because I was this kid, you know. So it's kind of funny, like before, like even even now, you know. So as you're asking how did I start working on this? I'm still working on it all the time. I mean, even, even before when I was talking about the story and I said, I almost called this staff member an adult. I was like, wait, no, you see like, so it's like my mind is still reverting back to like, oh, this is how you're supposed to act when people are older than you and these authority figures. And so what happens is that, you know, we start to experience these threat responses in our bodies Whenever, you know, we feel like somebody's towering over us and what needs to happen is that I've learned that I, I don't need to respond right away to everybody. Um, I've also been practicing, you know, certain responses um, to people if I'm not, you know, comfortable, I guess, responding to them immediately. So if somebody says something to me and, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be able to expect what they're going to say. And so what I'll do is I'll just remind myself, like, okay, you don't have to say anything right now. And it's okay to come back later to talk to this person mm. and, you know, and, and and let them know how you felt in that situation versus just feeling like you needed to have a perfect response every single time. So I think that when it comes to self-esteem, you know, it, it has a lot to do also, not not just what happens to us when we're dealing with people, but how we talk to ourselves afterwards. You know, like, so, so part of this process of becoming, I guess, a stronger me was just being compassionate with the fact that like, well, you're not a fighter, you know, um, and just because you stand up for yourself or not stand up for yourself, it doesn't mean that you're weak. Um, And so it's, it was really a new way of being able to look at these situations and talk to myself so that I'm not just constantly beating myself up for not being able to do what I was actually taught not to do when I was growing up, you know? So that self-compassion is huge.
1: Yeah. I love that. And it's, I love that you said like, like you allow yourself, like you don't have to respond to that right away. And I like that for me, but in the opposite way is I can be hot headed and I'm very direct and assertive. And, um, and I've gotten to, I mean, well, okay, hold on. Except for around men, I think that I I kind of shrink around men, um, mm-hmm. and so I think sometimes when I've when I've started to find my voice, um, I can be a little bit um, <laughs> a little harsh. <laughs> Jared's laughing because I tend to like I call guys out on their shit like a lot. Uh And in the past, like I've given them like lectures and (laughs) 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 like this, I even like just a very like brief, quick example. Like I've got this in my, I rent an office space downtown and um, there's been this huge noise that's coming into the office space and I've been complaining about the noise ever since I moved in five months ago. I've just been like, hey, listen, there's a rattle. There's a rattle. There's a rattle. And then he comes, you know, the super comes in. He's like, no, there's not. Like, it's just this. It's just this. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. And finally, the rattles to the point where you can't even hear the other person talking. And I'm like, hey, you need to come in here. And he's like, "Mm, isn't this just the same noise? And I'm like, no, something's wrong. You need to fix it, you know. And so then I finally got to the point where like, why is he... Why is he, it's almost like he was gaslighting me because he didn't want to fix it. And so Uh he's like, no, this is normal. And I'm like, I can't even hear myself think. So anyway, he goes up to the roof and there's like a belt that's about ready to break on this like machine. And it's like, if I hadn't uh, complained for five months and now I'm like, okay, I'm not going crazy. Like for five months, this noise. Anyway, that's like just me really venting about the situation that I've been going through. But, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but also I felt really um, proud of myself for being very firm with him and not letting him tell me, no, this is just, and I'm like, no, it's not like, please go look like go fix it. And I promise you, if I were a man, like, and this goes back to like men, woman, that wouldn't have even been a conversation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, mm-hmm. yep. I mean, maybe, maybe, but I mean, I would say generally. Yeah. So, um, so let's go into a little bit of, um, Like, specifically talking about self worth now, and it maybe just generally. um let Ooh, me can at,
2: go ahead. Yeah, so take away? yeah.
1: I'm, I'm lost for words. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, I think like one of the things is, I, I don't think many people go, you know what? I think I need to work on my self worth. Right. So, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, so people might be struggling. Uh, with self worth and not realize it. So like, what are some signs that a person might want to do some work around this?
0: Yeah, that's, that's actually a really, really good question. Because it's so true. Like, <coughs> when we grow up in a certain way, we don't know to ask questions, you know, so when we when we have low self esteem, or, you know, or low self worth or anything like that, we just assume that that's just the way that life is. And that's just the way that people are. And, um, you know, and, and we don't really question it until somebody comes into our lives and says like, huh, it sounds like you don't really trust yourself, you know? So some of the, you know, signs that we might be struggling with self-worth can be seen in the ways that we um, kind of talk to ourselves and the way that we treat ourselves in comparison to what's going on around us. So for Mm -hmm. example, um if we tend to be more hard on ourselves when we make mistakes in comparison to how we perceive somebody else. Um one of the the analogies that I, I love to use is for instance, well not really analogy, but um, you know, I, I like to have my clients envision, you know, if you were a little child in your kitchen, and let's say you grabbed a jug of milk and you spilled it, what would your mom say to you? And you know, depending on what this response was, that is a really good sign for me of how this person views themselves when they do bad things or when they make mistakes. So if this child would have said, Oh, my mom probably would have just, you know, run over and said, like, Oh, you you know, like, are you okay here? Why don't you help me clean this up? This is what you can do in the future, you know, to make sure that you don't spill the milk again. Um, Or, you know, why don't you just tell me if you need some milk in the future versus like, oh my God, you are so clumsy and um, you know, never touch the milk again and you, know, you, you drop everything. You know, so, so usually those are really good signs for us of how we view ourselves and mistakes that we make and that really impacts how we see ourselves and our self-worth. Mm. Um, another um, one is when we don't really believe in ourselves, we might tend to be more indecisive and afraid to take risks. Mm. Um, if we frequently put others needs before our own, um, that usually, um, you know, means that other, other people's wants are more important than ours. And that comes from a childhood of just constantly needing to kind of manage emotions and make sure that, um, you know, that, that our loved ones don't Mm. abandon us and that they, they still love us and that we're still lovable to them. Um, when we feel like things rarely go our way, that also relates to self-worth because, um, you know, that relates to boundaries and assertiveness, right? Like, if we don't set boundaries, um, and because we don't believe that we deserve to get our needs met, um, and that other people are more important than us, then we might, um, you know, we might not stand up for ourselves when we, we might not assert our needs. Um, We might also have a tendency to minimize our own needs and assume that other people uh, will as well. So, um, you know, if you really, really need something, you might not say that you need it or acknowledge that you need it. And you might even assume, well, other people won't think that this is important either. Um, And then lastly, you know, um, another really big sign is when we tend to be uh, very dependent on other people. So, you know, talking about self-sufficiency, like we over rely on other people for our happiness and, um, you know, in order to do things for us. And this kind of relates to risk taking is that we're so afraid of taking risks because if uh, of what it could mean about us, if we make make mistakes or fail. So all of these are pretty common signs that Mm. a person would have, you know, some self-esteem and self-worth issues.
1: Along with the kind of the, Parental figure, which I know I'm sure goes a ton into self worth of how we grow up, too. Do you think also, like a parental figure who has low self esteem and maybe says negative things about themselves constantly, or maybe mm. who's dieting constantly and talking about, you know, certain things, like can that affect your self worth?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that children, they learn in, you know, Many different ways. One is by modeling. And then the other one is, you know, through the experience of, you know, how they actually experience their relationship. So when they're even if, if they had a parent who was extremely um, loving or tried to be very loving, but the parent had a tendency to be very negative in the way that they respond to situations that's going to really impact the child and the way that they see things too. Mm -hmm. You know, so for example, um, you know, if, um, you know, something would happen and a parent were to freak out, you know, the child would then look to the parents like, Oh, that's how you're supposed to respond to situations. And so as Mm -hmm. a result of that, this child is probably going to be more anxious and, um, you know, and not sure of themselves when it comes mm-hmm. to resolving conflicts in their lives. And they're going to be more likely to run away from conflicts. And, you know, when they don't have this nice little track record of being able to um, succeed and achieve and work through problems in their lives, then that's going to really impact their self-esteem and this feeling that like I'm not capable of self-sufficient and being independent.
1: Mm-hmm. So that hits super close to home. <laughs> Jared, does that hit close to home for you too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, So how does that then go into dating, right? Because if your, your self-esteem is low, well, actually, okay, let me see this. Wait, what do you think the population of, of the population, <laughs> don't you think all of us are kind of struggling with self-esteem, self-worth, especially in like social media world today and like what the beauty standards are and like all of these expectations that we have on ourselves? Like, do you think everybody's struggling with it to a certain point? Like, are there people that aren't struggling with this?
0: Mm -hmm. Honestly, if you were to ask me, I think that every single person in this entire world needs some, you know, can benefit, not need, but can benefit from some sort of help in, in, you know, self-esteem and the way that they see the world and navigating the world. And that is mainly because we live in a world with a lot of different people. You know, we can't always predict predict who's going to come into our lives. And we need to learn how to respond to situations um, in a healthy way and be able to um, just never uh, just just navigate the world um, in ways where it, you know, where we can feel strong and, um, not allow problems to negatively affect us, you know, in a very extreme way. So, um, I, I do think that every single person in this world, you know, can really benefit from, you know, just, just, yeah, learning how to, um, improve the way that they see themselves and, um, um, and, and how they communicate with other people, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, and how to be in relationship with other people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which leads, which is a great lead into the next question is like, how does this show up in dating? You know, Mm -hmm. if you have low self-esteem or low self-worth, how does that look like when you, you know, start when you meet someone?
0: Yeah. So in terms of dating, I think that our low self-worth a lot of times can discourage us from taking chances with people that we want to be with because we don't think that we're good enough. Hmm. And so, um, you know, if we, let's say, you know, have a certain standard of like, oh, this is, you know, the kind of partner that I would really want. And we actually meet this person that seems to fit a lot of these, these qualities that we're looking for. The lower that our self-worth, the less of a chance that we're going to either pursue it or even if they, you know, even if this person comes and asks us on a date, we might not really trust it. You know, mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. idea of having low self-worth and, and low self-esteem, it really, it's kind of like the self-fulfilling prophecy. And we're just constantly looking for evidence in order to prove this correct, you know, this belief that we have. So if we believe that we're not that great, you know, then we might just, you know, and, and and a partner comes and tries to ask us out. We might just assume like, oh, this person's just being nice or, oh, it's because they don't really see who I am, mm. you know, and how that could later impact us is it could cause us to feel like we need to put up a certain front. Right, It's like, oh, wow, this person's actually showing me attention, then I'm going to have to look this way, I'm going to have to dress this way, I'm going to have to pretend that I don't want this and pretend that, it, you know, and, and so what it does is it causes us to show up in a very inauthentic way, because we believe that who we actually are, is not worthy enough. Um, and, and another big thing I see a lot in dating is that it really intensifies our experiences with rejection, uh, um, when we have low self worth. Mm. So, um, we might become hypersensitive to any signs of rejection. Um, so maybe if this person that we went on a date with, you know, in the very first date, they seemed extremely interested and into the, in, into the conversation. But let's say on date two or three, suddenly this person, uh, you know, is uh, like, Oh, hmm, he didn't want to hold my hand today. That must mean that he's starting to pull away. Mm. Um, And, you you know, we all and then we have a tendency to kind of take it really personally, Mm. of, well, what could that mean? Like, Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. You know, he, he, he's just not interested in, in, in me anymore. And that's what's happening. And so what ends up happening is that you might back off of the relationship and feel like, yeah, this is probably not going to go anywhere. And, you know, and so when things like that happen, it really prevents us from getting the person that we
1: want.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Uh,
1: so, uh, well, I was going to just say really quick. So Jared's face lit up with some of the things that you were saying, Jared, what, what struck you?
2: uh, I had, yeah, I had an experience when I was like 17 years old that I, like really like fell for somebody and had like extremely strong feelings for this person. And like, I was like the, the, the beliefs I had about myself at that time is like, I was like, a a, like I was like a fucked up kid. I came from like a fucked up family and I would like go out and like drink and party and stuff like that. And this person that I fell for was like, she was like super smart. And, and she was like, I like I, like, like one of like the good people you know Mm. and and there was like it's there was like this very dramatic scene the way it played out where like there was a moment and i totally just kind of bailed out and because i was like i'm too fucked up to be with this person you know Mm. what i'm saying like like she like why would she ever want me that kind of thing and i was like like heartbroken like destroyed So, like, oh, as you were saying man. that, I, like, really related to it, But I have, like, a really intense uh, example of that in my in my life. Yeah.
0: You know what's funny is that you're probably exactly what she needed.
2: Hmm. Could be. <laughs>
1: um,
2: oh, yeah. That's, that's, like, so sweet. And,
1: like, <laughs> I have one more comment. Jared, it's really funny when Dr. Betsy is talking, you and I both go – Hmm. At the same moment.
2: (laughs) Well, okay. There was also a moment, Leanna, I'm curious. What, what thing did Dr. Betsy just say that you related to? Cause I have a couple of guesses.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think my thing is, I just always think I'm going to be abandoned, you know, But, but I, I don't know. And Jared, you, you, you know me really well, so you can pop in here. I don't know how much of that is self-worth and how much of that is just trauma that I've been Mm -hmm. through. Like, are those things related? Because I feel like I'm a pretty confident, self-sufficient person, you Mm -hmm. know, I've always been pretty confident. But I also think it, it, and we talked about this in um, last week's episode with Dr. Um, Fedrick, that it it, you know it can be kind of a front for me to come across as this like boisterous like really confident self-sufficient person but really deep inside like I'm really a sensitive soul and my feelings get hurt really easily and I just don't feel like I can really show that sign of it because that's too like vulnerable almost
2: mm-hmm.
1: is that a self-worth thing or is it like I guess, I, no, I don't know. Do you kind of understand what mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not really putting yeah. my words together well.
0: Yeah, I think that our issues with self-worth are trauma responses. Mm. You know, like we went through something in our childhood that caused us to believe that we're not lovable enough to have the attention of these people whose attention that we really, really need. Mm. You know, so um, when you talk about you know, um, uh, talk talk about your self worth. Um, You know, I think that where what it really is, is that I'm not that interesting. I'm not that great for somebody to want to stick around in my life. So for instance, children whose parents didn't really show enough of an interest in them, um, you know, in who they were, and what made them special. These children, they're still going to have this need of feeling special. So when the parents, you know, who are responsible for making this child feel unique and special, fail to do that, this child is going to look elsewhere, right? Like they're going to look external and say, oh, well, you know, that person is lovable by these people. And so maybe I need to be that way. Hmm. Or, oh, mom likes me better when I don't cry. So when I have needs, I'm just not going to say anything um, or, you know, maybe even when you get a little bit older, you talked a little bit about social media earlier, right? And and mm-hmm. self-esteem, we might look at, you know, popular Kardashians it's like, oh, you see, they drive that car, you know, they have those shoes. So I want those things too, mm-hmm. so that I can be just as worthy. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that, um, you know, all of this, you know, really comes from, you know, having this childhood of just not really feeling special and important enough to not be abandoned. Because if you really think about it, if a child was super, super confident in who they were, and they felt like, oh, I am really special, and this is what makes me special, then they're not going to feel like somebody else can take their place so easily. Mm. Right. So, if I'm this really, really good person, or I have this really special relationship with this one person that cannot be replaceable, then I'm not going to worry that this person is going to ever abandon me. Mm. You know. And I think that that's where vulnerability and intimacy come in in order to contribute to security. Is security is like it's this feeling that these people, no matter what, are going to be reliable in my life. I can count on this person to not abandon me regardless of what they see me as or what, what they see in me. You know, so I can be as flawed as I want and this person is still there for me. Mm. Right. And so as a child, you know, again, like when, when a parent can kind of show interest in us um, and so even if we make mistakes, the parent is able to say like, oh, it's okay, sweetheart, just keep going. You know, like Let, let's try this way. You know, this child is going to feel like it's okay to take risks because mm-hmm. if I take risks, this person still has my back. Mm. But a child who didn't really, you know, get that kind of um, that that kind of support from their significant relationships, um, let's say the child, you know, again that that milk incident that I that I uh, shared earlier. Um, a parent that yelled at a child and made them feel bad about making mistakes, this child will be afraid to take risks in the future and not taking risks will contribute to them, you know, never really learning to grow at a pace that is, you know, similar to that of everybody else. And for them to be able to um, feel self-sufficient to do things, um, they're always going to feel like they need to rely on other people in order to you know, to, to, to feel like they, they aren't going to make mistakes and they, um, that they're going to be able to maintain these relationships in their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Because mistakes equals abandonment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I think that this issue of self worth, it really is a trauma response mm-hmm. from our childhood relationships and kind of just having caretakers that really didn't know how to respond to mistakes that we would make, how to, um, foster, um, our uniqueness in order to make us feel extremely secure in the relationship.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty spot on.
2: I I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I love, you know, when you just, when you were giving the sort of spilling the milk example earlier, it just struck me how much the, when we're children, how adults talk to us, like becomes like, like directly the voice that we talk to ourselves with, Yeah. you know? Um, you know, of like, oh, you're clumsy, you're in everyone's way, or whatever it is, right? Like that kind of thing. Um, I'm curious, uh, Dr. Betsy, because of the, and I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but because of the conversation we had with Dr. Frederick last week, you know, I, as you were talking, something I related to is when I was like a teenager, I think because I didn't feel really good about myself, um, my sort of defense was to build this like, costume right to build this it was it kind of like the way i think about it i was like stepping into like an iron man suit that looked like a angsty trying to be cool teenage boy and uh and so I'm, I'm curious like one and what's nice is there's there's a lot of aspects of toxic masculinity that like i think a lot of young men learn to emulate you know like uh not particularly caring about things you know like trying you know like okay. Uh, not being particularly like nice to other people, probably just, like pursuing women without like actually caring about them or being, you know, nice and a good person towards them. Um, and I still carry around like a lot of shame for that part of my life. Um, but I'm curious, like what is the difference between the way people can sort of build up this like fake ego self? You know, because, like, a lot of times when people hear self-esteem, it's like, okay, well, we're supposed to tell children that they're wonderful all the time and and everyone wants to be special. But, you know, there's, like, a lot of criticism of that. And so the Mm -hmm. conversation we had last week was about, like, narcissism. And and so I'm curious, like, how do you sort of disentangle those in your work?
0: Yeah. You know, kind of, um, I I wanted to connect this. To something that liana asked me earlier about you know do you think that everybody needs self-esteem work and this is kind of what i thought earlier i forgot to mention it but um the truth of, of the matter is, is that narcissists they actually are like very wounded on the inside you know and that's mm-hmm. very very different from self-confidence mm-hmm. and i think that um You know, so true self-confidence is not somebody who, you know, only hears positives about themselves and, um, you you know, true self-confidence means this almost ability to trust yourself to get through situations, Um, trust yourself to be able to get back up and still move forward and succeed in life versus this need to kind of behave in a certain way to look like you're
2: confident Mm
0: -hmm. you know I I don't know if I'm I'm answering no I think that's perfect
2: yeah and I you you used the term earlier right I'm a huge fan of like Kristen Neff's work on self-compassion right and this idea of because I think when we think about self-esteem like a lot of it is like I have to come in first you know in the in the contest or whatever or in the sports championship um you know and then I'll be worth something and and so, I, I, I gravitate much more towards when people use the terms like self-compassion, self-love and self-acceptance, which is also like making mistakes and maybe like hurting other people that we care about and and still like accepting and loving ourselves because like we don't have to be perfect. And, and you know, I, I loved in the story you told from your, you know, internship earlier that part of the problem for you was not just the way you responded when the supervisor started talking negatively towards you, but that you kind of, like, replayed that in the way you talk to yourself afterwards, right? And I think, right. yeah, and, and so I, I know that that's been an important shift for me in my life was realizing, like, the difference between those two things.
0: Yeah, I think, it, yeah, kind of along the same lines of that, um, when I was talking about security and relationships, you know, the feeling that somebody has your back no matter what you know, and, and this is what we needed as children from our caretakers. And it's what we seek when we look for romantic partners. But, you know, I think confidence really is you have to be able to have your own back as well. Right? So when you lose a race, you know, it's okay to talk to yourself in a way that, that, you know, it's more compassionate. You know, like, it's it's okay, you know, this doesn't mean anything about who you are as a person. You know, you're still a great person. You're still a great athlete, despite all of this. You know, so I think that, yeah, a lot of self-confidence has to do with being able to just kind of be there for yourself, um, be this cheerleader for yourself sometimes. Um, And again, not in this way where it's like, um, you know, people lately have been using the word toxic positivity right not Mm. in a way where you're just dismissing anything Mm -hmm. you know you're Mm -hmm. able to acknowledge that like okay it does matter that I got second place it does matter that I didn't get the job that I wanted but let's take a look at what I can do in order to keep moving forward Mm. you know let's see what got in the way of me getting this job that I really wanted and get myself back up and keep moving forward versus allowing these types of situations to kind of define who we are and define our worth.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Oh, sorry. Can I just, can I just add one button to that? I mean, I I think of it as like, um, finding like love and acceptance for myself that still like allows room for like intentional self-improvement, you know, but also that that love and acceptance I have for myself has nothing to do with like external, things at all, either like coming in first or someone telling me I did a great job or someone telling me how attractive I am or whatever, right? Right. Like having that for myself. And then, because if it is tied up in that external stuff, then when I experience that rejection or something like that, then all of it crumbles versus, Mm -hmm. you know, like when you need that self-worth and self-acceptance the most is when you experience that rejection. And when you were talking about the dating piece, Dr. Betsy, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who talk about going on this cycle of they download the internet dating apps and start doing them and then just get overwhelmed and start feeling really terrible about themselves and delete them, you know, and then three or four weeks later, you know, like rinse and repeat. Right. And I think that's because you're just seeing all these little like micro, you're getting this micro feedback of like, wow, I'm like liking all of these, you know, good looking people (laughs) or whatever it is. And then the people that keep showing up in my inbox that are liking me are like, not the type of people I want to be with. What does this say about me? You know, it's all that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so what I was going to say in regards to what you guys were just talking about is uh, of being okay, you know, when like, or having that self-compassion of yourself, if you come in third or don't even place or whatever, you know, um, is going back to what, we were saying about the abandonment conversation of like, okay, not only am I worthy enough to not be abandoned, but if that relationship ends, I'm strong enough that I'll be okay. You know, like there's that aspect too Mm -hmm. of, um, of like gaining your self-worth that, like you said, like you won't crumble when rejection happens or things Mm -hmm. End that you didn't necessarily want to end. Right. Um, I was going to also, when you guys were talking about like the sports analogy, I was thinking of Dr. Betsy, are you a fan of the Bachelor shows?
0: I'm not.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> would you like
1: to I,
0: I watch yeah. reality television but I, I actually haven't been watching The Bachelor at all honestly
1: so. <laughs> it's great it's probably better that you don't um, but what's so funny about it and it's reminding me of what you guys were saying is they always have these like competitions for the guys or whatever you know they're oh, trying yeah. to win over this one woman and the guy every season the guy comes on and he's like well, I'm going to get in first place because then I know she'll want to be with me. And that's like not a part of it at all, like that, that has nothing to do with if there's like a genuine connection or not, you know? And that also makes me think of my boyfriend who like openly admits that he's not good at athletics, (laughs) but he's like a very like tall, handsome man and he's smart, but he's just like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just not really good at sports, you know? And it's, it's just, it's part of that, of just like accepting who you are and, um, and not trying to just win something because that's the achievement and then you're going to gain the self-worth and then someone's going to love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And and you see it, it, it's so internal, all of that stuff that you're saying right now, right? Like if this guy doesn't win, you know, then it's like, oh, it means something about me and this girl's not going to choose me, but She's probably not thinking that at all. You know, that's an assumption that you're making. It's just like self-dialogue, you know, and and same thing with your boyfriend. You know, he's not athletic and he assumes that you have a problem with it, which clearly you don't, but Mm -hmm. he assumes this because of the way that he was socialized, you know, Mm -hmm. to be a man and what it means to be manly. And the problem with that is that sometimes it causes us to act in a way that actually causes our partner's to push away a little bit right so if he's going to be extremely extremely insecure all the time and constantly need reassurance are you sure that it's okay that i didn't hit that home run you know when we were playing with our friends or something and you know it's it's those types of things that sometimes cause mm-hmm. people to push away cuz it's like they feel like it's overwhelming it's like oh i need to constantly reassure you and I constantly you know mm-hmm. n- need to make you feel better and you're so emotional and you know so so I think that yeah we we always have these beliefs of what other people expect of us and um but it's, it's just not true mm-hmm. especially it reminds me of this really fun term that me and this one client of mine like to throw around um th- he, he he brought up he, he made up this phrase called The universal line of morality, because every time we talked, like one of the things that he struggled with was self-esteem as well, and um, and masculinity, and you know, and and so we're just constantly talking about how there's not this like invisible standard in this world that everybody else seems to meet, but you don't, Mm
2: -hmm. you know.
0: But I think that that's what we think a lot. Like people that struggle with self-worth have this assumption that like oh there's this invisible line and there's this invisible standard that everybody else seems to understand and know and judge me about because I'm just not enough you know and that line just doesn't exist mm. whatsoever mm. you know like there there is no there is no perfect level of confidence there is no perfect way of asserting yourself there is no um, you know, best looking person in the world. You know, mm. and uh, so I, I think that that's that's a I, I like using that with this client of mine because you know whenever he starts to compare himself to somebody else or worry that somebody's judging him in a certain way, I remind him of this. You know, there's no such thing as a universal line of morality. You know, you are the person that determines mm. how worthy you are you are the person that gets to say, are you a good person? Not other people, you know? Mm. So, um, and and I think that a lot of times we assume that there's the standard that we just don't meet and that's what makes us unlovable and unworthy. Mm.
1: Well, and I think that's interesting too, like within this topic. And I'm really glad Jared is here with us because I think it's probably not as okay for men to be like, yeah, I don't have self-worth. Or like I, my self esteem is low, and and um, maybe I I, miss said something about Zach, but Zach is totally fine that he's not good at sports. Like that's what I love about him. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm not good at it, you know. But I think in a culture where men are supposed to be really athletic and really built, and they're not supposed to cry and they're not supposed to have feelings like it must be a lot harder for men to even come into that place where they're like, yeah, okay. I think I do need to work on my self-worth. Jared, mm-hmm. what do you have? What are your thoughts? On
2: yeah. That? I mean, I, I think you're spot on. There's so much like, uh, you know, as Dr. Betsy was talking, I was just thinking like, uh, you know, relating for myself and all teenagers, but maybe perhaps especially like teenage guys, when you're in that like coming of age place, there's so much like, okay, so there's this ideal of like being cool. And if you're a guy like being like, at, like manly, you know, or tough or like whatever adjective you want to use. And so many guys I've talked to, and so I think it's a pretty universal experience that you feel like that being cool and tough and manly is coming natural to every guy around you. And like you're having to fake it and doing a really shitty job of faking it. And holy shit, if people find out that I'm faking it. If people saw the real me, I, you know, like no one would ever be my friend. I would be a laughing laughingstock, right? All of these things. And so you're kind of walking around in this like paranoid place all the time of like, wow, everyone else just gets this and does it naturally. But meanwhile, all these other guys that you're assuming like are just naturally cool and manly, they think they're the only ones faking it too. Yep. Right. And everyone is doing that. Um, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and, and I think that, that that perfectly describes that universal line of morality, right? It's like you just assume that you're the only uncool one and that you're the only one that's trying so hard to to look this way and, you know, and, and to be like all these other guys when, like, all of them are doing the same thing as you are, you know? So, yeah, and, and I feel like the the most popular people – tend to be the ones that are actually more confident in themselves because they, um, you, you know, be, because they're they're different, they're unique, they embrace their uniqueness. And I think that a lot of people mm-hmm. look up to that, you mm-hmm. know, but then when we're kids, like we just always think that we just want to be like everybody else. We're so mm-hmm. afraid to stand out. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, like when... For for example, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of my, my niece right now. My niece is six years old and um, my sister really, you know, fosters her uniqueness and and she's extremely popular with friends and she's kind of the leader amongst her friends because she's not afraid to take risks, you know, whereas other, you know, people who don't have as high of self-esteem and whose parents didn't really take much of an interest in, you know, who they were they're scared to take risks. They want to, you know, follow somebody. They want to be like somebody else. You know, it's like, Oh, I'm going to be like this little girl and act like this little girl because everybody loves her, you know? And so, um, you you know, and so we end up becoming more followers. And then again, it impacts the self-esteem again. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm not that cool. And, um, y- you know, and, and I need to be more like, a, like other people. But the truth of the matter is, it's like, what you need to actually be is you need to be more like yourself. Mm. You know, if, if you want to be cool, like you need to be more like yourself, not more mm. like other people.
1: Mm. I love that. This has flown by. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like we just started this conversation mm-hmm. and we covered so many things. It, it Can you kind of like wrap this all together for us and maybe give my listeners some key points of really how to kind of harness this idea of self-sufficiency and self-worth. And um, yeah.
0: Okay. Let me, let me actually take a look at some of the stuff that I have first. Okay. No right. worries.
1: And I, we like maybe ask a few of the questions that we sent over No,
0: it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll probably comment on this um, a little bit Um, after I I finished the kind of summary part. um, But there were kind of some parts that, you know, I wasn't extremely happy with. Like I felt like I kind of rambled. And so, you know, if throughout your edit, you're kind of feeling like you want me to kind of, talk about something again, I'm happy to do that.
2: No, Dr. Betsy, you were
1: fantastic. No, I was was thinking the whole time, like, I'm not going to have to edit this. (laughs) (laughs) This is
2: perfect.
0: yeah I, I don't know maybe see maybe that's my self-esteem stuff coming up right it's like I, I think I'm rambling that but maybe I'm not well,
2: no, so actually I-, I wonder I like I would love for us to keep this in because I also like I, I think this is a great example Dr. Betsy of even as we get healthy and as we sort of grow into ourselves even in our adulthoods and our career like sometimes this stuff can be so domain specific. Like I'm sure when you're working with clients, like you don't have any of your second guessing stuff, but if I can share this before we started recording, like you shared like this, like being on podcast stuff is like brand new to you. Uh And so of course, like being in a, kind of place where you're not as certain of yourself or whatever might trigger some of that. I don't know. I, I feel like that's so related to like what we were talking but about. But
1: honestly, like whatever you feel comfortable with, but this whole time I'm just like, I love every word that you've said. I think it's so valuable to us and to my listeners. And like, we're so grateful you're here.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, feel free to share this, you know, if, if you feel like it, it kind of helps to, Show you know that self esteem issues exist in everybody, like even Mm, the person that's talking about self esteem. Yeah, (laughs) well, embrace imperfection.
1: (laughs) Yes, and we love to be very like honest and vulnerable about our imperfections and like our our like insecurities, and so like I think it's perfect. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you, thank you so much. So. I guess to summarize, um, you know, one of the things I think is, is really important to to explain is that um, when it comes to self-worth and self-sufficiency, it's really important to understand that this doesn't mean that you need to be completely alone. Mm. You know, um, I think that a lot of times we have this assumption that self-confidence and self-sufficiency means that we are absolutely independent Um, and, and that we don't need anybody to, you know, make us feel better. And, um, we don't need anybody in our lives in order to, to, um, go through things. And that's really not the case. I think that for me, self-sufficiency really is, you you know, and, and, um, self-sufficiency really is our ability to take care of our needs using whatever resources that we have accessible to us. Mm -hmm. you know, in a way that is effective and efficient. So, um, you know, what that means is that we need to be able to, um, you know, take care of our own feelings, take care of our own needs, but also learn to allow other people to be there for us as well, Mm -hmm. because that's what true security really actually is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the reason why, self-esteem really needs to come from within is that if we don't believe that we are lovable, we literally can never believe that other people will see us as lovable. Mm. You know, so if we personally view ourselves as worthless, we're not going to be able to receive love from a partner because, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to us. You know, like we can't empathize with that. So our partner can tell us all they want. I love you. You are so important to me. You, you are irreplaceable to me. But if you can't get on board with that, then you're going to have a really, really hard time accepting that. Um, and that can really impact, um, you know, our ability to be in relationships. So in the end of the day, I think that the most important thing um, in terms of, how to work on self-esteem and self-worth is we need to learn how to be more vulnerable and accept ourselves understand that you know our needs are okay who we are is okay and to not be afraid to show that to the world because the only way that we can develop that security that we're looking for is to be vulnerable and one of the things that i like to Used to help clients understand vulnerability from, I guess, the way that I see it is um, if you imagine that I were to like kind of cut your face off and take your face off and you could see everything inside my brain, right? Like all my thoughts and my needs and my feelings and my fears, um, my intentions, all of that, you know, that's what vulnerability is, is that if somebody is able to see all of that about us, that's still want to be in our lives that vulnerability can lead to security mm-hmm. you know and that sense of security can eventually allow us to feel more self-sufficient so that we don't constantly worry about abandonment and we don't have to um we don't have to experience those attachment wounds every time we sense any sort of danger Is that because we trust that we are good enough to deserve the love that's in our lives. And if we think we're good enough, then we'll see that the other people think that we're good enough. And as a result of that, yeah, we're not going to feel like they're just going to abandon us with every little thing that we do. You know, Mm -hmm. so I like to use um, my relationship with my husband, for example, one of the things that I noticed We've been married for about three years. We've been together for about eight years now. And one of the things that I noticed about my relationship with him is that there's a side of me that nobody else in the world knows. Not even my mom and dad know this particular side of me. It's this super, super silly side that, you know, I I talk to myself. I say weird things to him. Um, And, you know, and, and sometimes I even ask him, "Is like, am I annoying you? And he's like, yes, you're annoying me. And those kinds of exchanges actually feel very securing to me Mm. because I know he's not going to leave me. You know, Mm. I know that even though he's annoyed at me, he's not going to leave me. I know that even though he sees this weird side of me that I'm so afraid that everybody else are going to judge me about. I know that he's not going anywhere. And that's what true security is, you know, and with true security, with the fact that I know how different and special I am to him, because I know that no other person in his life, you know, has shown this side of themselves to him, then I know that he's not just going to want to walk away from the relationship so easily. You know, I know that there's something special about this relationship between the two of us and the way we interact um, that, that makes it so that he's going to be there for me no matter what, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that that's true security and true self-confidence and self-worth.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, so beautiful. I know we told you in the beginning, we're like, oh now we're not going to go over an hour. And it's like over an hour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. There, this was- is a lot of fun. You guys are so fun to talk to.
1: Oh, I'm so glad. Well, we're so happy you joined us. Um, tell our listeners where they can find you.
0: Um, if you are interested in following me on Instagram, I post a lot about relationships and self-esteem. Um, and my handle is lovealways.drbetsy. Um, and if you're interested in reading about any of my work or perhaps even working with me, you can come to my website at www.drbetsychung.com.
1: Love it.
2: And uh, Dr. Betsy, you and your husband are invited to come watch The Bachelor with me and and, and Leanna's mom. Anytime you have a standing open invite.
0: You know, I feel like I should watch it because like there's like so many therapists write about it on Instagram. But the thing that I actually love to watch is I love watching 90 Day Fiance and Married at First Sight. So maybe after I finish all of those different spinoffs that they have, yeah, I I, I think I'll, I could start watching watching The Bachelor.
1: <laughs> it's just so interesting, the social experiment of it, of just watching. Like, same thing with Married at First Sight, Nine Day Fiance, Too Hot to Handle was crazy. Like just yes. seeing that these people are, you know, what they deal with, and like this is life. And I mean, it's produced too, but um, but anyway, yeah. Okay, well, thank you again. Um, we love you for coming on here. You're amazing, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you so much, guys. Of
1: course. Okay, well, thank you, Dr. Betsy. That was amazing. Jared, what are your thoughts?
2: That was so fun. Um, I loved the story she told about her husband at the end and wanted to get into, like, a 20-minute conversation with the three of us just about that because that was something I, like, kept thinking about throughout the conversation was, like, I think that true sort of self-acceptance is in relationships is also like because a real intimate relationship and I think about this with my friendships and and other important people in my life is like that people see the parts of you like that aren't great like Mm. you know like I can be a fucking baby when I'm tired or hungry and like can like snap Mm. at people or whatever and I can be selfish and like all of these things and if and if in relationships I'm constantly trying to make sure someone doesn't see those parts of me, because if they do, they're gonna leave me or whatever, then my relationship is never gonna be secure, you know? Yeah, And, and I'm never gonna be relaxed.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. I love that so much because it's true. I yeah. mean, when you're in a vulnerable relationship with someone, they're gonna see all sides of you. Yeah, And if you're not in a, if you're hiding that vulnerability and you're kind of showing up to the relationship and working really hard just to be this person, then you're never going to experience that intimacy and you're going to be exhausted. Yes. Yeah. Boom. Oh man. That was such a great episode. Well, you guys make sure to go follow her on Instagram. Love always. Dr. Betsy, and then follow us at Hello and Goodbye Podcasts, um, at underscore Liana Joan, at the real Jared Rodriguez. We're on Twitter, hello underscore by underscore pod. You can check out our YouTube channel, Hello and Goodbye Podcast. Go to our website, ww.hello and goodbye podcast. You can get our merch. It has access to YouTube, to our social media, all the links to um, our sponsors. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah,
2: and hit us up and tell us like what you thought.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. We'd love to hear you. And, um, and also feel free to message Dr. Betsy. Yeah. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, guys. <laughs> See you later.
2: Bye. Bye.